Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au for the next six to eight weeks. So don't despair if nature calls, or somebody else calls, a little bit more interesting than I am. Well, then the program is podcast. And in case your radio drops out... This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. If you what Anarchy is all about, Anarchos, A-N-A-R-C-O-S, without rulers. So what is the main task for anarchists and activists, anarchist activists? How do you create a society without rulers? What causes inequalities in power and wealth? Well, it's inequalities in power and wealth, which causes rulers. So it's about... Devolving power, which means sharing power, and so means sharing wealth. Very simple concepts, you know, for the many, not the few. How has it come to this? It's quite extraordinary, isn't it? Every time you listen to a radio, pick up a newspaper, surf the net, sit in the corner and wake up with a start from your sleep, you think, how has it come to this? Because... The Australia we have today is not the type of Australia that I imagined we would have in 50 years' time when I began this journey as an activist in 1968, when I was, I think, 17 or 18. And we really have to look at how has it come to this. And what we've seen is a extremely successful culture change in terms of the way people define themselves and see themselves in the community. Not a culture change based on specific issues, but a culture change based on how we fit into society. And what those people who own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication have successfully been able to do is get those people who are exploited by them to actually feel as if they are part of that particular society. And this culture change didn't happen accidentally. 
it's happened through a variety of ways, which are not just uh, you can blame on like, the corporate media or the government guild at ABC. These culture changes occurred as a result of specific policies which have been introduced which incorporate people into their own misery. For example, superannuation, which was sold to us as some type of security in old age where you could actually have a wonderful retirement as long as you saved for it over the decades. The one catch was that as far as superannuation was concerned, the money that's taken out of your wages, it's not given to you, it's actually part of your wages, that 12%, is used to finance the very system that exploits your labour. But because people's future, they've been incorporated into the superannuation scheme and they identify their future with the future of capitalism, with the future of the op- the future of a marketplace based on creating never increasing profits for uh, for people. What we are seeing is that people who have traditionally not seen themselves as part of the financial sector and the ruling classes now see that their future is tied in with the future of the ruling classes and their future through their superannuation investments. So there's a change of culture where we are now part and parcel of that system. And this hasn't happened overnight. It's happened over a period of time. And the pushback we are seeing now in the community regarding some cosmetic changes to the sector highlights how this has occurred. What else has occurred? What we've seen over the last five decades is the explosion of organisations and entities and which are supported and bankrolled by the corporate sector whose only role is to promote corporate capitalism as the only significant, legitimate way of creating wealth. And this has occurred through organisations like the Institute of Private Affairs, they like to call themselves public affairs, but the Institute of Private Affairs, and other organisations whose primary role is to be involved in the debate in the the, uh, corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC to promote their ideological concerns, which are concerns which really have nothing to do with most people because their concerns are about increasing corporate profits from an, for a significant, very small minor, minority. So we've seen this change in attitudes to the very system that exploits us where we now think that's the only system, and I'm not talking about you and me, but I'm talking about general thought. This is the only way that we can actually create a community which can function adequately.
So what else have we seen? We've seen attempts, successful in the main, to one, criminalise trade union activity, but more importantly, criminalise in the eyes of the public the trade unions. Now, obviously, the trade unions have their own problems, and I've got no issue about that. But it's about criminalising the ideas that people can collectively bargain together in order to improve their social situation. And this uh, addiction to concepts like uh, individual bargaining, where you go to the boss and say, I'd like a wage rise, please, as if you've got any individual power in a large organisation or even a small organisation. So we've we've criminalised the idea that people working collectively, working together, can improve their own situation. What else has occurred over the last 50 years? We've seen an attack on public property to such an extent that the Victorian government and most state governments around this country find themselves in a financially parlous situation if there is an economic downturn because they have no public assets left which can be sold or given away to the private sector. So we've seen privatisation become a dominant plank of almost every, well, of every, not almost, of every major political party and organisation in this country. And we've seen institutions which have been built up over decades with the blood, sweat and tears and money of ordinary people over decades given away or sold off at a bargain placement prices to the private sector mainly for ideological reasons because governments shouldn't be involved in the provision of services to people. It should be left to the private sector. Then we've seen over the last five decades a huge campaign which continues to this, to this day to somehow dehumanise and criminalise and denigrate people in this country, one third of the population who rely on social security benefits to survive. So if you're an old age pension in 2019, people look at you and say, well, how come you haven't got superannuation? If you're on a single parent's benefit and you don't take your kiddies to uh, some type of, you know, uh, Centrelink approved activity, you can lose, you can be penalised and lose your social security benefits. And look at the miserable existence that people on a new start allowance are expected to to uh, survive on. And then we've seen a wholesale attack on the concept of disability support pensions, where today in 2019, even quadriplegics, that's right, that's somebody who's confined to a wheelchair, who can't use their legs, who's got no feeling in their legs, who's got a paralysed bowel and bladder, who cannot use their fingers, can be and are denied a disability support pension and shoved onto a new start allowance. Then we have the domination of society by legacy media. Now, everybody thinks that the print media is dead and gone, the legacy media is finished. Well, unfortunately, in Australia, in 2019, it's the legacy media, 
which is owned by three major players, which sets the political, social and cultural agenda on a daily basis. Because what you hear on radio, not the anarchist world this week, and what you see on television and what people debate on social media, to a significant degree, takes its lead from what is in the legacy media on that particular point in time. Then we have this idea, there's no such thing as a three lunch. Now, obviously, there is no such thing as a, as a three lunch if you're a, you know, if you're a student with a hex debt, if you're a person on social security benefit who's got to jump through all these hoops on a constant daily basis in order to sustain that social security benefit, if you're an old age pensioner, if you're somebody in temporary work or casual work, you know, for decades, if you're part of the new economy, which inverted commas means nothing more than 19th and 18th century exploitation of working people by removing all the rights and privileges that we theoretically have in law, then you find yourself in that situation. And we have allowed this to occur. As a community, I'm not blaming you individually. As a community, we have allowed this to occur where we now find ourselves in a situation where people are indebted up to their eyeballs in order to have a roof over their heads or uh, have access to services, where all the services which were provided to people are provided by a privatised sector where we see over 45 cents in every dollar, 45 cents in every dollar, which is given to a private company to run a public service, goes into profits for that company and administration fees and so-called costs. So what we've seen is the rise and rise and rise of our private sector, especially in the service industry, whether it's nursing homes, whether it's uh, packages, whether it's transport, whether it's the National Disability Insurance Scheme, where instead of government public servants being uh, assessing things and providing the service, we see the privatisation of those services. And nothing highlights this more than the privatisation of the Commonwealth Employment Service where well, we have a half a dozen large organisations, many of them religiously based, who are raking in billions of dollars every year to provide a service which a publicly listed service could provide for a fraction of the cost. Now, how's it come to this? And I could go on and on for the rest of the program, but I'm not going to. How's it come to this? It's come to this because we think as a community, that all we need to do is cast a ballot every three to four years for re parliamentary representatives to make decisions for us for the next three to four years. That's what our involvement is in policy making. I mean, we live in a country where we've got constitutional arrangements which basically deny people everyday rights. We don't have the right to initiate legislation as a community through citizens-initiated referendums. 
We don't have the right uh, to determine policy. We don't even have the right to recall non-performing politicians in between the election cycle. We have a constitution which is bereft of individual rights, which allows the state and the corporate sector to arbitrarily remove those rights from us. And we've allowed this to occur because we have removed ourselves from public life. We've removed ourselves from public life. We have forgotten how all those things which have been removed and taken away slowly after the decades got there. Public health, public education, public services, public infrastructure, public loans through a publicly owned bank. We have forgotten that every single one of those wins, of those rights, of those services, of those liberties which we enjoy came through struggle, came through us coming together. That's how they came about, people coming together. It's no accident that in 1826 the Tolpuddle Martyrs, which were six agricultural workers who came together to form an agricultural union in England, were prosecuted and, and uh, deported to Tasmania. It's no accident. And today we have allowed to a significant degree the same thing to happen. We now find ourselves in a situation where an individual union member can be fined $10,000 a day for taking part in a non-authorised strike, as if there's such a thing as a non-authorised strike. So no wonder an increasing number of Australians are beginning to find themselves in difficulty, not just financial difficulty, but what I describe as social difficulty. It's no accident that we have one of the highest drug-related health issues in the world. It's no accident that so many people find themselves in psychological therapy or on antidepressants because we're told constantly the problems are individual problems, that the problems we face as a community have nothing to do with the economic system and the social system and the system of government we have. It's to do with other things. So we are in a bind because we have allowed this to occur. And nothing has highlighted this more to me than our public housing everybody's business struggle, which we've been conducting in Victoria and which we'll conduct for the next four years in order to make public housing a significant issue. Now, housing has been an issue all around Australia for decades, especially since the so-called great global financial crisis a decade ago. I mean, through speculation, what we've seen is extraordinary rises in the houses, in the prices of homes and land. And we've seen that people are 
tied in to debt through banks and financial institutions for decades in order to own the roof over their own heads. But it's extraordinary how little support we've been able to generate, or interest, not even support, but interest, we've been able to generate regarding public housing. And to a large degree, this is because we as a people have forgotten the change does not ultimately come from, you know, a frank and free discussion on the net or a letter to a politician or a petition to a politician. Change comes from people coming together and being involved in struggle to achieve some goal. And it's no accident that in 2019 that this community is divided. Not divided in the way it should be between those who exercise power and those who are losing power, who have no power, the majority of people in this country, but a division based on race, a division based on religion, a division based on the colour of a person's skin, a division based on the language somebody speaks a vision based on how people dress. It's no accident that we have all these so-called major issues where we demonise a few thousand you know, asylum seekers and refugees in order to win an election while keeping them in turn for over six years. It's no accident that we find ourselves in this situation in 2019 because the people divided amongst itself on relatively superficial issues will never, will never come together to give a little bit of heartache, a little bit of indigestion to those people who exercise power in our community. Now, public interest before corporate interest was formed four years ago in 2015. Well, about three and three-quarter years ago. It's been quite interesting being involved in that movement and political party. How much fear there is in the community about people joining a new political party. How much cynicism there is in the community about the fact that you can't fight City Hall and nothing will change. Now, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest is grinding along. We've got a YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, a website, hundreds of members, but not enough to register as a political party for the forthcoming election, and a congress on the 16th of October for party members. But it's been hard work getting people to join, not because they don't agree with the ideas, about putting the interests of the many before the few, about breaking corporate power, about giving the 1% a little bit of their own medicine. No, but because of a fear. There's a general fear in our community about taking action, about a fear about going on a demonstration, about a fear filling out a piece of paper to join a political party because of the so-called ramifications. And there is this culture of fear in the community which has been, to a large degree, fostered and fanned by the corporate-owned media. 
Just extraordinary. An extraordinary state of affairs. And how has it come to this? Because we have allowed this to occur on our watch. We have stood back and we've watched. We have stood back even when the major institutional frameworks under which we live, whether it's religious-based organisations who are going through a torrid period because of their own pathetic behaviour, whether it's through the wholesale privatisation of almost every aspect of everyday living, whether it's through the divisions which are created in many cases artificially to generate fear of the other in the community, we have allowed this to happen. Ultimately, we are all responsible for the situation we find ourselves in. It's no good saying God made me do it or the boy or girl down the road made me do it because ultimately we have lost sight of how we came to this point. We have lost sight of the past. We have lost sight of the lessons of the past. We are a people with no past, a present and no future. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. If you listen to this program on the 6th of March in Melbourne, 2019, the uh, dinners are still on. Meet Joe Toscano, meet Pipsy, get involved with like-minded people. Uh, 6pm this evening, La Porchetta, 395 Ligon Street, Carlton North. Next week it'll be lunch, the week after that'll be lunch, and the last Wednesday in the month it'll be dinner once again. But tonight it is dinner, 6pm. The ABC. The ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Now sometimes even yours truly is gobsmacked. Gobsmacked is to be punched in the Adam's apple and you kind of curl over and have trouble breathing. Now, it's quite extraordinary to see the Senate Select Committee interview, you like that, interrogate board members of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation as well as senior executives of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation to find out what's happening regarding the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. I know there are many listeners to this program who have felt that I've been unfair over the years when I've talked about the government-gelded ABC. That's right, the government-gelded ABC. The ABC is supposed to be an independent broadcaster. And anybody who's been a regular listener to the ABC over the last few decades has seen a dramatic shift in the way news is presented. And it was no, nothing surprising to me to see 
members of the board of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation and senior, exe- and senior executives in the Australian Broadcasting Corporation wilt under questioning the Senate Select, Commis- Senate Select Committee because it was quite obvious the Australian Broadcasting Corporation has been under extraordinary pressure over the last few decades, both under Liberal National Party tutelage and Labor Party tutelage. Extraordinary pressures where the government has attempted to nobble, geld the Australian Broadcasting Corporation by encouraging and formulating a whole series of ludicrous complaints about bias to such an extent that ABC presenters began to censor themselves because of ramifications that would occur if they didn't. Because let's not forget that most ABC employees now find themselves on short-term contracts. Not only have we seen a decreasing of funding to the ABC, which has made it difficult for it to survive, but what we've seen is an actually attack on the output, on the way an independent broadcaster analyses events. And those of you from long memory who listen to the Anarchist World this week will remember this is not something new. The ABC has been gilded. Remember my little experiences in 1999 when I was approached by an ABC presenter for an all-night program to give an anarchist or give a radical analysis of the events of the week. And within four to five, I think within five months, we found ourselves not only out of a job, but more importantly, the presenter was out of a job and the so-called person who was uh, you know, asked to be a foil found themselves out of a job. And the whole problem was that we denigrated the current Prime Minister, John, the, the, the Prime Minister of 99, John Howard, because of his non-core and core promises. The fact is that an early morning program around the country, you know, barely listened to by 0.1% of the Australian population, was offensive enough for the Prime Minister, for the Prime Minister to put pressure and the Australian Broadcasting Corporation to have that offending program removed. So it's no accident that 20 years later we see exactly the same culture of self-censorship in the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. When we see the, you know, the head of the, uh, the ABC and the CEO at loggerheads over the question of editorial independence and we see the CEO being removed and then the head being removed, we begin to understand. But what I found extraordinary was during the questioning by the Senators and the House of Representatives and the Select Committee, what I found extraordinary is that people didn't answer Questions because of commercial inconfidence arrangements. I mean, we pay for the ABC. We pay for the ABC. Why shouldn't we be let into to know what the payout figure was for the sacked CEO? It was commercial inconfidence. And then on the same day, 
We see the head of a security company which is providing services to Manus Island for a cool almost half a million dollars, refusing to answer questions and saying, well, uh, and this is not questions from me or some stupid reporter or so-called investigative journalist, but from our political representatives in Parliament saying, it's commercial in confidence. I cannot speak about it to you. You pay the bill, me and you pay the bill, but we are not allowed to know what's in the contract. Extraordinary. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Let's go to this commercial in confidence garbage. And the fact that governments across the country at the state and federal level are entering into contracts with private providers for terms that go beyond the term they're elected. It's just an extraordinary state of affairs. You elect a government for three years, they enter a contract with a private corporation, which will go for 40 years, as we've seen with the case of Transurban in Melbourne with the Andrews-led Labor government where you do a 99-year contract, longer than the life of anybody listening to the program, you know, today, on behalf of their political representatives. How is it that a government that's elected for three or four years has the power to enter into a long-term contract over decades on our behalf, and if we break that contract, we, as the taxpayer, are responsible for that contract? How is it? And then we're told, oh, it's commercial in confidence. We can't tell you about what's happening with the privatised prison system. We can't tell you what's happening in the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. We can't tell you about these beautiful security contracts which people enter into for hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, to keep people on Manus and Nauru. And it goes on and on. Extraordinary. I mean, we see a lawyer at the centre of a legal scandal name being mentioned in the media because uh, suppression laws have been lifted by the High Court and we know the name of that particular lawyer. It's public knowledge. But when we ask, when our political representatives ask questions in a select committee about how funds are used and who's getting what, they're told, not us, but they are told it's commercial in confidence. It's not your bloody business. Piss off. Extraordinary. Extraordinary situation. That one, that governments can enter into contracts on our behalf as a people for decades, and they're only elected for three to four years, and then when people question what's in the contract, how does it affect me, how does it affect the community, they're told, we can't tell you, it's commercial in confidence. What an extraordinary state of affairs we find ourselves in in Australia in 2019. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. 
The program is broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. If you wish to write to me, you can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. I will get back to you eventually. Can take a little while sometimes, you know, but we will get back to you. So, but there is one exciting little thing which has occurred inadvertently in this country, which is giving people in power a little bit of indigestion. Now, when this superannuation industry was set up, it was set up in such a way as to allow the trade union movement to get involved and create industry super funds. Now, industry super funds, to a significant degree, are like mutual organisations where the benefits do not go to shareholders, but the benefits are actually shared by the members. And in the majority of cases, we've seen industry super funds give out a better dividend on retirement than any privately owned corporation, because a privately owned superannuation corporation has to make a profit for its shareholders as well as a profit for its members. So you know who always comes second in that little uh, exercise. It's always the you know the shareholders, not the sorry. It's always the members, not the shareholders. But an industry super fund, it's like a mutual aid society, a mutual a mutual agreement. Now, industry super funds will have one trillion dollars in their pockets by 2021 which is two years away one trillion dollars and people like josh frydenberg the current treasurer and le- and uh, leader apparent or parent or whatever of the uh, decimated liberal party of the next uh, federal election have got a problem with this They're very concerned because industry super funds are ultimately responsible to their members. And their members are saying, we want action on climate change. We want action on this. We want action on that. We don't want you to invest in this particular corporation or that particular corporation. And the industry super funds are actually taking some notice of their members in some cases, which is causing consternation. In the stock market, consternation by these organisations who have only ever been uh, dependent, who only have ever, you know, kowtowed to their major shareholders. Because $1 trillion in funds can make a difference, especially if it's taken out of some of these organisations and put into other organisations which follow the basic uh, demands of the members. So the government of the last five years has been attempting to change the structure of the board of industry super funds to ensure that only corporate high flyers 
are part of the board and ordinary people from the union movement or the mutual aid movement are removed because they want that money. They need that money to get their cancerous, community, destructive ways to continue. And they need that money. And they want the government to pass legislation to break up the industry super funds, decrease return to members, and ensure there is a steady stream of money for corporate cowboys and corporations who have only a a responsibility to their major shareholders, who don't care about the environmental damage they cause, who don't care about the structural damage they cause, who don't care about the social damage they cause. All they care about is what their profit margin is and that that they have ever-increasing profits until time immemorial. So this is one little saving grace. One little saving grace. Think about it. It's the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. Now, let's move on. Let's move on. Because language and culture ultimately determine this type of society we are. And what I've seen over the past few decades, especially over the last few years, is an increasing concentration on a limiting debate. Not just in the general society, but in the radical milieu. An increasing debate about what people can and cannot say. An increasing debate on what is legitimate and what is illegitimate. Now, I'm old enough to understand what censorship does to a community. I think a lot of people have forgotten how dangerous a censorship is. It may make you feel happy because the only views you are listening to or watching or reading are those which coincide with your own. But it doesn't really exercise your mind. It doesn't create a diverse community. It doesn't allow change to occur. It's an extraordinary situation we find ourselves in 2019 where we think that censorship is the way to achieve social good. Just extraordinary. Think about it. I'm sure you're uh, familiar with what I'm saying. Climate change. Well, if you're one of those people who still believes it doesn't exist, well... Good luck to you. If you're one of those people who still believes it's got nothing to do with human beings, good luck to you. It is an issue. It's becoming a significant issue in our country. It's becoming a significant issue across Australia. 
it's becoming a significant issue around the world. Because as we nudge 8 billion people on the planet on our way to 9, possibly 10 billion, and as we tackle the issue of finite resources with uh, increased uh, or more uh, erudite uh, scientific innovation to make the bread and the loaves go further, we are faced with a climate that is not happy, with an earth system that is not happy with the human race. And unless we as a community once again are willing to tackle this issue, we'll just bumble on and bumble on until it's a little bit too late. That's always an issue, isn't it? It's a little bit too late. It's too late. We find this in all aspects of the way we've been bumbling on in the land of Oz over the last three or four decades. And we wake up one day and we say, how's it come to this? Why can't my kids get a job? Why can't they get a home loan? Why can't they get a secure job? Well, they're always anxious and depressed. Why are they they on those medications? Why do we see homeless people on the streets? I mean, I was on the streets of Melbourne this morning, in the early hours of the morning, before the public housing everybody's business protest in the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, which occurs at 8am on every Wednesday morning, which will occur for the next four years, or until we win this particular struggle, to ensure that stamp duty revenue is earmarked for public housing. Why do we find ourselves in this situation? Why every time you turn on a radio station or read a newspaper article or go on social media or watch a television show, it's all about problems, problems that are occurring in one of the richest societies in the world. Why do we continue to hear about the plight of so many people or such, while a little percentage, maybe 1%, finds itself in such a wonderful situation. Another 70% find themselves indebted up to their neck, worried about their loss of their jobs, their next contract, increasing government charges, and the list goes on and on. Why do we see so many destroyed people? Not just on the streets, but everywhere. People who've had enough people who are consumed by anxiety, people who believe they have no future in this land, people who know that irrespective of how hard they work, at the end of the day, all they will be able to do is pay their bills. People who can see and know that it doesn't take a generation anymore to climb the social elevator that doesn't exist. You need to take trapeze lessons in how to you know, climb out of poverty and hopelessness. And if you're really, really, really lucky and things go the right way, maybe your children in five or six or seven generations will get to the situation you find yourself in today. Because of the social struggles which occurred in the 70s and 80s and 60s and the 50s and 40s and 30s and 20s, which created many of the benefits which we take for granted today. So if there's one thing to take away from the anarchist world this week is that action is the key to change. 
The only fear we need to fear is fear itself. That if we wish change, and if we wish it to be rapid change, we need to come together in significant numbers. And if we don't come together in significant numbers, nothing will change. Because power and wealth is so entrenched in such a small minority in this country who act as parliamentary puppet masters and set the parliamentary agenda, the legislative agenda on a daily basis, that even the mildest reforms somehow are, are going to cause cataclysmic change. For example, for example, give you one, two examples, two examples that are happening while I speak. The Labor opposition has made some rumblings about some minor changes to negative gearing laws in order to ensure a little bit of increased fairness in the taxation system. You would think it was the end of the earth and the Treasurer says and the Liberal National Party government says prices will fall through the roof, the sky will fall in, the sun will, you know, crash into earth. It'll be the end of human civilization as we know it. Treasury, their own Treasury officials are telling them, are telling them, no, it's not going to really make much difference at all. Bingo. End of story. Story number two. We are told that all this work has been done to divert water back to the environment of the Murray-Darling system. Billions of dollars of taxpayers' money have been given over. And we have dueling experts saying not one litre has gone back to the environment. And we have people saying, you know, why are all these fish dying? Why is there no water? It's more than the drought. It's much more than the drought. So we've got these conflicting stories where we've got so-called experts on different sides. But the river doesn't lie. Nature doesn't lie. The river tells us, the Murray-Darling, what's happening. I was there a few months ago. It was obvious what was happening. Then we have... I mean, it just goes on and on and on. You know, it's just, just incredible. I'll give you another example. There's some debate about franking credits, about people getting a free lunch and maybe having to reduce that free lunch as far as their franking credits on their stock market uh, investments are concerned. We are told once again, it's the end of the universe. It only affects a relatively small number of people if you actually look at the facts. But no, facts don't matter in the 21st century. Facts are irrelevant. It's about myths and ideology and peddling lies and disinformation in order to support a particular ideological concern. It's got nothing to do with facts or figures. Mr Morrison, the current Prime Minister on Christmas Island, telling us that is the end of the known world. There are 57 people, you know, who pose a potential threat to Australia because they're facing charges for inappropriate behaviour. One, maybe even murder. Four shootings, four people shot dead in the streets of Melbourne in the last few days. Come on. Do they really think we're that stupid? 
that we believe this garbage on a daily basis, that we're force-fed this culture of fear? The only fear that they should be, we have, should have in this society is them fearing us because we are willing to take action to ensure that our needs and the needs of the people around us are satisfied. That's the fear that there should be in the community. But it's the other way around. Everybody else is fearful. They're not fearful. They set the parliamentary agenda. They know what the legislative score is. They have the media on their side. People think you can't fight City Hall. Well, you can fight City Hall and you can win. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can go to the Pipsy, uh, face, face, sorry, the Pipsy um, webpage, pibci.net. Find out what's going on. Become a member. Download the application form, Pipsy, pibci.net. What else? You can come to the Wend- the Public Housing Everybody's Business Rallies, 13th of March, 20th of March, 27th of March, 8am. Join a struggle to ensure that everybody has a roof over their heads. More importantly, come together. Join us. Get involved in that struggle to make that new world in your heart a reality. It's no point sitting in your heart, that new world, because nobody else sees it, nobody cares. Because at the end of the day, the only thing they understand is action. The only thing they understand is people saying enough is enough, enough is enough. Things need to change. They need to change around. Currently, we are seeing the Liberal National Party, you know, big wigs taking all they can before the next state election. We've seen it. It's about time we took a little bit of action to ensure that life remains bearable in 21st century Australia for a significant number of people who are finding it very difficult not only to survive, but not only to prosper, but to survive. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is broadcast across Australia courtesy of the Community Radio Network. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station next week. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week. That number, 0439 395 489. Email anarchistmedia.org. Website, Pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. YouTube, Public Interests Before Corporate Interests. Twitter, Pibci, P-I-B-C-I underscore dot A-U. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. 
wash my hands. Oh, Lord, yeah. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.